0: to football we have the best offensive tackle in the draft jedrick wills from alabama gonna hop on with us Uh, we also have our team big boards and we're gonna start it off with our three favorite teams niners chiefs and jets your draft on draft questions and guys we are gonna touch on a little bit of news there's not a whole lot but a little but to start this off our good friends at bleacher report br gridiron and br betting are doing a greatest of all time madden sim fellas and as the Niners fan on this show, I just want to say, we will kick all your asses. I mean, I'm not going to debate it from a Chiefs point of view. <laughs> uh, I know that that's
1: not going to be a thing, uh, but I think the Steelers are probably going to give everybody a run for their money. With that defense, Like, I mean, all those linebackers that they've had for forever, Terry Bradshaw probably playing quarterback if he could beat out Cordell Stewart, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah. Big Ben, maybe? Maybe? Maybe. I- Yeah, I'm kind of curious when we tap into these ratings and who makes the cut when you have something really close. I would go with the Dallas Cowboys if I had to argue with Matt here. Um, Even saying that, I'm still pretty confident the (laughs) Niners are going to be really, really good. Now, Matt, here's my question for you. With Steve Young's mobility... Would you rather have him be your Madden quarterback than Joe Montana? Well, I
0: would rather really have Steve Young over Joe Montana as my real Ooh, quarterback. Uh-oh.
2: So, <laughs> yeah,
0: right. a lot of people don't know that about me because I I am a huge Montana fan. Melo can back me up on this. I'm a I'm a Steve Young guy. Like and and was. When it was controversial, you know, like who should be starting? I was a Steve Young guy. I'm just a little bit too young to have seen the great Joe Montana days. Um, I- I've gone back and watched them, obviously, but yeah, I think you have to take Steve Young. Here's the thing: I just want to say this, and I don't know if our friends at BR Gridiron are going to listen to me or not. I do not want Dion on the Niners team. He only played there for one year. Ooh. Don't want it. He's a Falcon. He sh- or or Redskin. Like, he's not a Niner. He's not a, cowboy. He a cowboy. He's a Falcon though. I think you're right, but I I think they'll put him on the Cowboys
2: team. Just to mess with me. I probably. I think so, so, too. Yeah. Or how are they going to do duplicates? That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah.
1: How are you going to do that with so many players that were good but have played on
0: multiple teams? I, I think you're going to have to put duplicates. Well, I am excited to see the rosters. This is going to come out uh, Friday. So as you're listening to this, you can hop on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and see what's going down. But it's the BR uh, Madden Goat Sim. Greatest of all time sim. And... uh I don't know if we're actually taking real money bets on this, but if so, I'm I'm anxious to see that
2: line on the 49ers because they have to be the favorite.
1: I think they're going to yeah, be maybe, the favorite. Yeah.
2: I'm still maybe we can get it going between us and the stickies. Right. If they want to get involved, you know, maybe throw down some bets. I know they're going to be doing uh, some kind of lines when they do the Twitch stream. So if you need your betting fix and you haven't seen the draft bets yet, which this show will definitely get to at some point, that's another way to get involved and wait and, you know, Flushing your money away. Exactly, yeah, just giving us your money. All right, uh, Adam Schefter uh, has been... Adam's the league guy.
0: You know, he's always, you know, this is just the news, and I'm going to stay out of it. He actually pushed back against the NFL a little bit, ESPN's National Insider. The the NFL is saying, hey, the draft is happening April 23rd. It will be a three-day event, and you can like it, or you can leave it. Schefter reported with Diana Rossini that... Many general managers are pushing back against this. They're saying the draft should not happen in late April. There's a million reasons why not, and but the league is saying no, we're doing it, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be virtual. We're going to have cameras in prospect houses and cameras in prospect and in, in team facilities. I guys, I think the draft should not happen April 23rd. And I know a lot of people are going to get mad at me and be like, no, we need it. We need the draft to happen. We don't need it to happen yet. There's no rush to get this thing done. You're not going to have rookie camp. You're not going to have OTAs. There should not be a rush. I was telling Mello on the way in to record today, I was talking to uh, director of player personnel for a team, and he said, hey, man, how are we supposed to execute trades when you can't, like normally, your owner, your head coach, your general manager, your whole scouting staff, they're sitting in a room and they execute the draft plan. If you, Connor, the Jets... You can't go to the team facility right now. Hey, you're shut down, absolutely shut down. You can't at it's, all. Yeah, but it's here, a great point. like in Kansas City, they do have a 30 day shutdown order right now in place. But what if the Chiefs could go in their team facility to execute their draft plan, and the Giants and Jets and Eagles can't? That's a competitive advantage 100%. to those teams that can all come together. And so I know, I, I know a lot of people are going to get upset and say, "Hey." The draft needs to happen. We need this content. That content May 15th is not going to be any different than it is April 23rd, except for maybe there's more of a competitive balance. Melo, what do you think about this whole seven-day draft idea that Schefter floated out there that would kind of give teams time to recoup and figure shit I out? I
1: like the idea that Schefter's putting out there. I don't understand why the NFL isn't coming out and announcing more plans for the draft. Instead, they just keep saying everything's going to be the same, everything's fine, everything's normal. We don't know what the hell that looks like. As fans, as people that cover the draft, we don't know. We don't know if you know, we're gonna have cameras in each war room. We don't know how many people are gonna be in the room. So I, I like what Schefter's doing and what he's kinda pitching here with a seven day draft. I don't know about seven days. But I do like the mixing it up and putting it in on prime time. Starting with round one, maybe start on like a Monday night or whatever you wanna do with that. Make it prime time. And then everybody on Tuesday has something to talk about. All these radio guys, all these weird podcast guys who are probably in some weird brick wall basement. (laughs) They have something to talk about the next day. Then we go, we do round two the next day, round three. And then maybe that day three draft, we break it up. We can probably do that all in one day. But I like it. I think it gives teams extra time like you were talking about. It's going to be very difficult to execute trades. Usually you have a guy on the phone that's calling. But if you're only allowed six people... 10 people in a room, the first guy going is probably the dude on the phone. Like You want your scouts, you want is your GM, that, you want your owner yeah. in there. So like, who's making the cut? Yeah, you know, I don't know. So what Schefter's doing, I, I think it's a good start of changing the draft. It's not going to look the same. There's no way it can be the same. So why not toy with it? Why not give everybody something to tune into for five nights instead of two or three?
2: Exactly. I think it opens the conversation for maybe we should experiment here. Something I had thrown out there on Twitter was, especially with this draft class, there's so much fantasy impact because of the wide receivers and running backs where maybe you do night one is round one, as always. Night two is round two. And then night three is rounds three and four. And then you could have rounds five and seven as the final day because I think there's enough where that third night of rounds three and four, people would still be really, really into it. And then you have the classic last day rounds five to seven. You know, the attention is definitely going to teeter off. Now, I am curious, guys, this is gigantic this year for the draft because there is no baseball going on. There is no NHL. There is no NBA. Right. The draft has a chance to really take in all of the eyes it potentially can. And I, well, I agree with you, Matt. The competitive advantage is a problem. Teams are not happy about this. There are all kinds of different hurdles. Uh, I mean, we're going to, and on a very smaller scale, but as media analysts, we're going to go through it too as we continue to do this show from home and figure out how we're going to continue to cover the draft. I think when you look at it, the NFL has been very stubborn in delaying their season. They didn't delay free agency, which is cause hurdle for some players out there still. And they're not going to delay the draft because this is an advantage for them. It might sound a little sick, but it's a chance for them to capitalize in a way. I think we all know the
0: NFL well enough to confidently say that is at play here. They want all eyes on the NFL draft. They're already trying to make the draft a huge event by putting it in prime time, doing these fan events. Obviously, the fan event can't happen this year. But like you just said, Connor every sports fan is going to be like, eh, well, the drafts on ESPN and NFL Network and Bleacher Reports app. Maybe I'll check that out." It is a huge opportunity from a growth perspective to get more eyes on it. And it is. It's like it's almost a, you know, a little morbid to talk about that, but I definitely think it is at play and it is it's uncharted territory of, of how this is going to play out and how it will work for teams. We are sitting here less than a month from the start of the NFL draft. So, we're waiting for information just like the rest of you guys are and we'll keep you updated as soon as we get it. Last a little bit of news before we get into the rest of the show, guys. Ed Water reported Thursday afternoon that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are once again negotiating. That's good news. And good news for Dak, Ed Warder from ESPN says that he is about to become the NFL's highest paid player. Cha-ching for Dak Prescott. And I think that's as should be. Uh, We've talked about
1: it a lot on the show before. If you're re-signing and you're a a Pro Bowl-level quarterback, you should reset the market. And quarterbacks should reset the market. I mean, I've even heard people say quarterbacks should have their own salary cap. These guys make all the money in the league. They make most of the money for the league. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think this is probably coming out of Dak Prescott's camp. Uh, I know Edward is very tuned in there with what the Cowboys are doing. But he should be, at least for the time being, the highest paid player in the entire NFL. It just makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think it's been quite evident that Dak, understandably, his camp is not going to take anything less. And as we always say on this show, guys, Pat Mahomes is going to blow that number out of the water right after, so... I think it's a waiting game right here where, you know, for Dak, you're a quarterback. You have the leverage. Sit there and go, hey, I'm not taking 33 mil. You know, give me 35.5. Give me 36, whatever it's going to be. And and I don't know how you guys feel, but I think Mahomes will probably be the guy that gets to that 40 mark.
0: Yeah, and I actually looked because I didn't know. And this is just based on cap hit, so not cash. Jared Goff's cap hit for 2020 is $36 million. His cap That's That's his cap hit. 36 million. Not great. Yeah, how's that but working out for you? Not well. <laughs> no, not,
2: not good. Not good.
0: And the Cowboys have other obstacles. You know, we talked about it in the midweek show. Travis Frederick up and tires. I still feel like they did this. In Missouri, we have a saying, bass backwards." I feel like they did this, bass this because they signed Jalen Smith, great player, needed to do it. They signed Zeke Elliott, thought he should have been the last guy to get paid. They paid Amari Cooper $20 million mm-hmm. a year. And now you're sitting here with your quarterback, who's a really good quarterback, being the last guy to get paid. And I think it will get done, obviously, but I don't think that's the right way to make Dak Prescott feel like a valued member of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's by saying, you're last. They're bringing
1: in a lot of veterans, too. Like, you know, McCoy, and I, I can't think of the guys off the top of my head, but they're spending spending more money than I thought that they had this offseason season. And they haven't signed Dak yet. I, I really did think that would be one of the things that happened. I wasn't surprised when Cooper re-signed, but I thought we'd hear Dak right after that. And like, okay, we're okay. We can go sign Amari Cooper. We have the plan ready for Dak. But they don't, so this thing could drag out for a while.
2: It is a little bizarre. Out of all the players, this is the one they drew the line in the sand the longest. I mean, you look at it and you go, I think we were all a little surprised when they got Jalen Smith done. I think we were all a little surprised as well how much they caved to the Ezekiel Elliott contract. I mean, that's a a monster, monster running back deal. So I think it is a little strange. And I'm curious to know what the real number is that Dax Camp is asking for, but that this one out of all of them took the longest. Yeah, it is. It
0: will be f- It'll be fun to see the number that gets reported and then the real number after the fact. But hopefully Dax is asking for all the guarantees that he can possibly get. Guys, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Jedrick Wills on the show, and then we are going to start our uh, I guess what are we calling this a segment on team big boards dream big boards kind of for some of these teams because we're all uh, two of us are at the end of the first round but I didn't say it at the top of the show but I want to make sure I say it in the first segment uh, please do your part stay home stay safe I'm giving away Madden codes on Twitter to encourage it uh, they're, they're giving some away as well so if you don't go for me you can follow uh, Madden on Twitter they're giving away a ton of stuff to try to encourage everybody stay home stay safe and continue to take care of each other and we're going to do just that right here when we come back talking Jedrick Wills. All right, y'all, we are back. I promise you the best offensive tackle in the 2020 draft class, Mr. Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama. Jed, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for making time for us. Most
3: definitely. I appreciate y'all for having
0: me here. Yeah, I want to ask you right off the top, dude, a question that has come up a lot while evaluating your tape. You played right tackle for Alabama. Alex Leatherwood played left tackle. Would you have played left tackle if Tool was right-handed?
3: I feel like there'd be more of a preference to do the coach statement. Um, I've just always been a natural right tackle and then we had Alex Otherwood who's also a great player on the left side so it just kind of worked out in each of our favorites to be in the same position that we grew up playing.
1: Yeah and looking forward to the NFL do you think that you're versatile enough you're going to play left tackle or right tackle?
3: I do. Uh, That's something that I've been pricing on in this uh, pre-draft process um, leading up to, to April. I'm just trying to feel comfortable in both and then I also feel like with the right coaching and and the right corners I'll be able to do, which you don't want need me to do.
2: I think it's safe to say you played against the best of the best in the SEC title games. I mean, you name it. Jedrick, who was the toughest guy that you blocked throughout your college career?
3: Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I've won against a whole bunch of guys, even even last year being my sophomore year. Uh, but competition-wise, man, uh, i say probably the best front was probably the Clemson front. Uh, the, those who had multiple first-round guys on there that we played against last season, the National Championship. Uh, this past season, I'd probably say uh, Derek Brown from from Auburn. He's just a, he's just a game record and something that you had to be aware of at, at all points on the field.
0: Jedrick, you mentioned Clemson, and that that D line was really good last year. Uh, what do you think of when you think of Clemson? Do you feel like they're a worthy competitor to Alabama, being you know the the top of the college football dynasty right now, or are they a little bit of a pretender?
3: Right. Uh, no, I do. Um, and kudos to them for for kind of knocking us out of our spot last year something that we fell short of, that we that we let slip away. But they're definitely a team that people forget about, just them not being in, like, an SEC conference. They get forgot about um, a lot of the times, but it's hard to go undefeated anywhere. And they've they proven themselves to be a, a, a national championship team, um, having some of those under their belt. And at the time being right now, they have a really good team coming back for next year. So I'm interested to see what they can do in the college football world.
1: I mean, it's got to kind of piss you off, though, right? Because you said it; they knocked you off their spot. Alabama right. dominated for forever. So tell us how you really feel. Who's your least favorite college football team out there?
3: Oh, uh, i probably have to go with Clemson. <laughs> i <mean, laughs> I'll <I'd> definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely give them credit credit where it's due. Um, but they knocked us out of our spot. It's something that probably pisses everybody off in the in Alabama country to this day, um, outside of the the rival aspect. But they got a really good team and um I Love their Relationship. Uh, I have friends that are on that team, but like when, when it's about to play them, you know, it's just kinda like, all right, now you're on my enemy side. Yep.
2: With what's going on right now with the coronavirus, you know, pandemic, have you been able to train the same way, Jedrick, this last month or so?
3: Um, I have been, uh, to an extent. So I have I'm back home in Kentucky. Um, I have a special guy that I've been working with since high school. And um it's a good thing that he has his own place that I can kinda of get and work in when, when I need to and um within the within the legal rights of course.
0: How how difficult has that been? I mean, I know, you know, like for quarterbacks, they they're having a hard time finding spots where they can go out and throw, but for an offensive lineman where for some of you guys, maintaining weight can be a struggle, whether that's keeping on weight or keeping your weight down. Is that something that has been a little bit of a challenge where, you know, like you actually don't know, you know, when rookie camp is going to be, when OTAs right. are once you're drafted. Are you trying to keep that in the back of your mind?
3: Yeah, most definitely. So something a lot of linemen um, have problems with, like you said, there's different sides to it. There's people that are trying to lose weight or people are trying to put on weight and something that you definitely have to keep in mind at all times Um me and being able to train and uh, find a place to train, and being back at home, having that nutrition that I need on hand, it's been something that's been in my favor. I've never really had any problems with putting a weight on or losing it. I've just been pretty, pretty steady and constant. Um, and what number is my goal? I guess I can say it that way. Um, but just been this time, just trying to trying to stay where I'm at. Um. Tone up, keep my body in shape for whenever, like you said, whenever rookie camp is going to be.
1: Now, are you very familiar with the other tackles that are in this class? This is a historic offensive tackle class. Are you keeping tabs on many of these dudes? Uh,
3: yeah, I do. So a couple of those guys have been buddies of mine, since like high school, coming in and out of camps and um, being friends with those guys just kind of growing up throughout my college career.
2: Being a highly tattered recruiter, I mean, you had a lot of options on the table. What was the Nick Saban recruiting pitch to you that won you over?
3: Um, at the end of the day, I just wanted to be a national championship sometime in my college career. And that was a goal of mine. Um, I, went to national, which is, I went to Alabama and re- received a national championship my freshman year. And um, I just had faith in Coach Saban and his staff. I knew that no matter what year it was going to be, um, year in and year out, I was going to get the best coaching staff on hand and somebody who was going to develop me to be the best player I can be. And at the end of the day, I wanted to make it to national football league and uh, be a great player at the next level. So at the end of the day, I feel like I made the right decision. That's what they got me to be.
0: If you want to win a national title, uh, Nick Saban's a pretty good guy to to latch on with. But I want to ask what 100%. might be an uncomfortable question for you, man. What is going through your mind when you see Tua get hit and you hear that scream, and then that moment of like, "Oh shit, the cart's coming out for for our guy." What's going through your head right then?
3: Man, that was that was a, a horrible moment. Um, a very very horrible moment for everybody in Alabama country and Tua and his family, the whole entire team that I was I was a part of. But, like, in the moment, I didn't even know that he was down like that. Like, usually somebody gets down, and you're like, all right, uh, I thought it was his ankle because he wasn't even supposed to be playing in that, that week or that game. Um, coming out of the LSU game, he, was, he already had something wrong with his ankle. He played the whole entire game, could barely even walk. We, we had to protect our butts off to make sure that nobody got back to the LSU game. And uh, going into that next week, said he felt good around the first half and played, and then that happened. Um, it was just heartbreaking to see, see something like that happen to him, especially on the injuries that he's battled through. Uh, throughout his college career.
1: Yeah, so let's take it back further to that locker room. When Tua and Hertz were still there and, and Tua comes in to win the national championship. What was it like that following season when they were kind of I'll say air quotes competing for that job with two great quarterbacks in that locker room?
3: Um, it was it was more of like a, I guess you can say like like a winning kind of um environment. Both of those guys just come out day in and day out to prove themselves. It was something amazing that I actually got to see. Like day in and day out, you just saw as close perfection could be. Those guys went on to practice and just putting putting everything on the line, just try to try to be this, the QB one for the team.
2: Now I know for a bigger guy, you you can move. Have you gotten in on any of these races yet with uh, Henry Ruggs, Jerry <laughs> Judy, and Jalen Waddle at all?
3: No, I'm a, I'm a spectator from that aspect.
2: That's <laughs> I can respect that.
0: Were you there when they did the DBs versus wide receiver race?
3: I was. They did like a little like relay. Yeah. <laughs> Then they'll be like every day after practice there will be like two or three of them going at it. It was it was a day in day out thing. That that one just happened to cop, um, just happened to get caught on video.
0: Have you ever seen anyone actually beat Henry Ruggs in a race?
3: I have not I've seen him and Jalen Waddle tie though. That's what a lot of people are. No
1: don't joke. About mm, wow. See I've been on That's the, pretty crazy. I've been on yeah, Jalen Waddle for a while. I remember going into last year. I was like, I know Ruggs is fast, but I think Waddle's right up there too. And a lot of people even on Twitter like, no, no, Waddle's not up there. He's fast, but he's not up there. But I've heard that too. I don't remember where it was at, but that Waddle was right there that tied with him. So I wouldn't even be surprised if a guy like Waddle going into the draft next year maybe even could outperform Ruggs.
3: I'm excited to see what he can do as well. Like you said, he's fast, and people see it in game. But like, even when you even when you take off those pads and lose off like that, that twelve pounds of gear, it's the real deal.
2: Now you've blocked for some incredible running backs already. I mean, we got Josh Jacobs at the next level already tearing it up. Najee Harris surprisingly goes back to school. Uh, You know, were you surprised that Najee went back, or you know, how did that decision uh, take? You know, how are you? How did you take that decision?
3: Um, the decision was clearly based up to him. Um, I didn't really have too much insight on it because yeah, most of us were going through our going through our own kind of process at the time. Um, it was surprising to me because I thought he's probably top running back in the country. There were some guys with some better numbers out there. Um, kudos to like J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. Um, but I was expecting him to come out. But even going back to school now, I feel like he's going to improve a whole lot more. Um, he's going to put up some serious numbers and just kind of be like the. The workhorse for the backfield.
0: Now we've we've heard all the stories about how well Nick Saban recruits guys to come back. You know, we saw it with Leatherwood, we saw it with Najee, um, and, and we've you know Dylan Moses going back. How hard was Coach Saban's pitch to get you to come back to Alabama?
3: Um, he gave a great pitch, but at the end of the day, I feel like I just did what was best for me. Um, and he also told me I didn't make a horrible decision. Um, he thought I was going to be a really good player in this draft, a top player in this draft, and he was just like. At the end of the day, I can't make decision for you. So wherever you're going with this, I support you 100%. And um, either way, you can't make a bad decision.
1: Yeah, and I have you as the seventh best tackle on my big board right now for this draft. Is that about where you find yourself? Number one spot. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking <laughs> with you. I, I got you number one, too. I actually said you can go back and listen to our shows. I, you're the best tackle prospect I've evaluated in a long time. I think your athletic ability sets you apart, too. So I just wanted to fuck with you a little bit.
3: No, <laughs> I appreciate
2: you. I got one more question here. I mean, Jedrick, just from watching your film, I saw you absolutely flatten Marlon Davidson and open up a lane for a touchdown against Auburn. Are, are you trash talking out there when you're just you're clearing these guys off the screen right now? Or are you the silent killer?
3: Um, I feel like it depends on who you're going against. So, okay, I, try to, I try to get a feel for my opponent. There's some guys that you get trash talking really get in their head, and there's some guys that I like to trash talk. So I'll do the dirty work and like punish their face in the ground. I just, just get up and walk away. Like you can hear them, like right in the back of your ear. They're like following you back to line of scrimmage. And they're like yelling at you from the other side of the scrimmage, line of scrimmage. I just kind of like straight up ignore them and act like a robot. Who's, oh man, it gets, I love it. It gets, it gets to them so bad.
1: Who's the biggest shit talker though that you faced? Yeah. Uh Say it. Do what maybe, you want to. uh
3: nah, if you want to be honest, but there's, there's so many because I know they get tired of me. I'm I'm, a, I'm an annoying player. I know they get tired of me. It's, it's, it's a game in the game out experience. All
0: right, last question that we got for you, my man. Could Alabama, this team, this last year, 2019 Crimson Tide, two is healthy, the whole deal. Could Alabama beat an NFL team?
3: If you going to be honest, this, I've heard this question so many times. Like not even from you all, or like radio shows or ESPN reporters. No matter what it is, like I hear this question a lot. But like we've talked about this before, like with my teammates. Like, of course, we're gonna go out there and play, give one hundred percent, no matter what. Like, I'm gonna go out there and compete. I know everybody else is gonna go out there and compete. I got all faith in us. But like at the end of the day, like these guys are professionals. Like they do this for like a job, for a living. Like there's twelve year veterans out there. Like at the end of the day, I feel like it'd be a good game. Like I'm not gonna say that we're gonna sit there and get blown out by like thirty. I'm gonna have faith that we can win. But at the end of the day, like those guys are professionals. That's what they do. So it's gonna be a hard, hard game. I can tell you that. Could you be an XFL team? Ooh. ooh. Uh, I, sh- I think you easily, easily could. could. I do too, to yeah. be honest. About, see, I don't know about easily. I feel like we can. I, I'd, I'd give us. A, I'd give us the upper hand, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Those guys are out there fighting for their lives, like trying to get on an NFL roster, like people who also played in the NFL, um, got pushed away from something, and, like now are trying to gain it back. Like those guys have been in the been in the heat and the fire before. So <laughs> another another one. I'm gonna have to like we have to go out there and work for it for sure.
0: Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun watching you. Uh, once once you get drafted, we're rooting for you. Hopefully, uh, the world gets back to normal and you can get to a camp soon. And, and but we will be, man. We'll be rooting for you all along. So try to enjoy your draft process. It's gonna be a unique one. You're gonna be, you know, you and your draft draft class are gonna be the only people who go through one like this. So thanks for your time, man. Uh, stay safe out there, and we'll be we'll be looking forward to seeing you play soon. Right. Yes, sir.
3: Thank you all for having me, and uh, you all be safe too. Thank, thank you, yeah, Kendrick.
0: Thank you again to Alabama's Jedrick Wills for hopping on the show. But now it is time for our team big boards and we are kicking this off with our favorite teams just to introduce you guys to the format and what we're doing here but we will move on to other teams uh, as we get into next week so we're starting with the Niners for me Chiefs for Mellow Jets for Connor and what we're doing basically is if we were general managers for these teams what would our big board look like our top 10 players in this draft so this is not the top 10 players who will be available at 31 32 or 11 overall this is how your board would actually look. So for the 49ers, the top player on my board would be Jeff Okuda. Putting him next to Richard Sherman at corner would be pretty damn exciting. Please trade up somehow and make this happen. Actually, I would be game for this. Then I went number 2 Jerry Judy, 3 Henry Ruggs, 4 CeeDee Lamb. So the need a wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders is a saint. Debo Samuel, very good player. We don't know what we're getting out of Jalen Hurd yet. So need a wide receiver is pretty significant. Feel pretty confident you can get one of those at 13. Number 5 of my board, C.J. Henderson. Again, the need at corner, I don't think has been talked about enough. Richard Sherman's very good. Kill Weatherspoon is not. They need another corner in there. Number 6, Javon Kinlall. My player comp for Javon Kinlall is actually Ark Armstead, so a very easy, natural fit in this 49ers defense. 7, Justin Jefferson, going back to that wide receiver spot. 8 and a player, I actually think there's a good chance they draft this player. Cesar Ruiz, the interior offensive lineman from Michigan. Uh, the need is there with Weston Rickberg getting hurt. Likely going to miss most of this coming season. They already needed an upgraded guard. Nine, Xavier McKinney, the do-it-all safety from Alabama. And then ten, a corner, A.J. Terrell from Clemson.
1: Yeah, and I think one name, obviously, that you left off was Chase Young, but
0: they don't really need to fill that edge rusher, rusher spot. I mean, D. Ford's still on the roster, I, I guess, you know, for now. Are I'm you not surprised by that? Yes, very, <laughs> very. Yeah, when yeah, I said, like, all year, like, I, they need to probably let him go. Uh, and it, 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 the way his contract was structured was basically a one-year deal. So I, I think I talked about it on the show before. DeForest Buckner is my was my favorite 49er. The fact that they basically chose to keep D Ford over him is something that has really pissed me off.
1: I mean, they probably could have gotten a second for D Ford instead of a first for maybe. I mean, right? he
0: played like thirteen percent of the snaps. Like, that's know. not an actual number, but it was low. Hey, I was glad to see him go. So let's yeah, talk
1: bet. about my favorite team, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get it out of the way here. And I'm looking at this; at, they're picking at number thirty-two overall. Those Super Bowl champs. If you didn't know that. I think the number one guy on their board has to be Isaiah Simmons. When you look at everybody else, I love Jeff Akuda. I love Chase Young and what they can do. And they're going to be on my board as well. But Isaiah Simmons could really play very well in this defense all over the field for them. He can fill some needs at linebacker. He could come in, play some safety for him, obviously. And I I just think that if he's sitting there somehow, some way at number 32 overall, he would be the top guy on the Chiefs board. Number two for me, I'm going with Jeff Akuda. One of the best corners that I've seen doing. I mean, what he's able to do physically with his hands, with his feet, everything. He looks like the perfect corner prospect. So if again, somehow he's there, they'll snatch him up. Chase Young, I don't think edge rusher is a huge need, but if he's there, Chiefs will take him. And then receiver number four. This is the fourth guy that I just, I don't think there's any way that these guys fall to 32. But if Henry Ruggs is there, I think Andy Reid and these guys are just going to be drooling over him. They will find a partner for Sammy Watkins, probably move on from him. But I do think that Henry Ruggs is the one receiver that if somehow found himself at pick 32, the Chiefs would pick him up. So
0: I'm going to stop you there because, number one, this wouldn't be fair to have Tyreek Hill, Henry Ruggs, and Miko Hardman on the same offense. I don't think the Chiefs drafting a receiver at 32 is crazy.
1: See, I don't either, and that's why Henry Ruggs, I, I put him on here. Because I do think that if he you know, got caught doing something stupid with the marijuana mask, mask. If you let yeah. me yeah, I think the Chiefs would take him at 32 just because he's such a weapon. I, we didn't really think he, they would take a receiver last year in the second round, and then guess what? Things happen. Take a receiver uh, number five for me though these are guys that I think could maybe fall to 32 and I'll start with CJ Henderson who is my number two corner in this class I really like him I think you're gonna see him go in the mid-teens I-, I think teams like the Falcons are probably gonna snatch him up before he can fall that far but I would like to see it number six that need at linebacker is still pressing I like Patrick Queen better than I like CJ Henderson but they need a corner much more than a linebacker but I, I would love to see Patrick Queen fall along with Kenneth Murray the needed linebackers huge two great linebackers here if they're there for some reason and I think that one of these guys could realistically fall to 32 just because the positional need and whatever you know the receivers that are going to be pushed up the board they've got to push somebody down and then the last three guys for me I think are in play at 32 overall I really like Jeff Gladney and what he can do at corner. I think he's a plug-and-play guy that can come in right away and help shut down a lot of these good receivers that are in the AFC West now, along with Christian Fulton out of LSU. I know that he's had some injuries. He's had some question marks, but I think he's a damn good player, and I'd be very happy to have him at 32 And last player on my list is Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan. I really like his game. I think he's a great interior player. I think that he can get to that second level. He's going to make a difference on any offensive line. And him playing at center and protecting Patrick Mahomes for the next five years would be something that every Chiefs fan could dream about.
2: Uh, Hard to disagree with any of those. All right, I'll kick it off here for the Jets. Number one, no surprise, Chase Young. The Jets still do not have a pass rusher. Chase Young is very good. He will not be there when they pick. Number two, (laughs) another guy that won't be there when they pick, Jeff Okuda. The Jets don't have much at corner. I know they signed Pierre Desir, hoping for a bounce back season. Brian Poole is back in the slot, but there's still a need here, and I do think it's a position group. Joe Douglas will target later in the draft. Number three, and this is the dream scenario for the Jets. The guy that was just on the show, Jedrick Wills. I think he does not make it to 11. If he does, I don't know what the NFL is doing. I almost wonder, guys, if my number three player here, Jedrick Wills, and number four player, Tristan Wirfs, are at play for a Jets trade up. Uh, They have so many needs. It's hard to do that. But man, one of these two guys would make a very big difference on an offensive line that needs a lot of help. And the next guy as well, right here, Andrew Thomas. I mean, when you look at Andrew Thomas, number five on the board here, he might make it to 11. I think that would be a really, really big upgrade at left tackle for the Jets if that happens. If all the tackles are gone, you have C.D. Lamb on the board next. And then Jerry Judy, back to back. Lamb and Judy... The Jets lost Robbie Anderson. They need a wide receiver. All they have is Jamison Crowder. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Prashad Perriman is the answer for Sam Darnold. Maybe he gives you you know, a little lightning in a bottle, but this is a team that needs a number one and a number two wide receiver right now. So if the tackles are gone, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs all in a row here. And I go with Lamb. For the jets because he is a go up and win the football kind of target for sam Darnold. i love jerry judy i love henry ruggs but lamb's physicality he has really really good hands the jets pass game was miserable in the red zone last year another thing that lamb would fix he's an electric playmaker after the catch he can do so many different things for this jets offense where i understand they need to take a left tackle with the 11th overall pick But if simply the talent is not there, Lamb should be the guy to boost this offense. And the last two players in this top 10 are two offensive tackles. I just have them in a different tier than the top three. Makai Becton and Josh Jones. They're very big spectrum players, low floors, high ceilings. Becton especially, the giant, the nimble giant, good feet, hasn't taken a lot of real pass sets. He just hasn't. I'm curious how he's going to handle counter moves at the next level. So... It's interesting for me here, guys, as I made this board for the Jets. Will they reach at a tackle at 11, like Beckton or Jones, if the other three are gone, or will they take one of the top three wide receivers? Yeah, that is the hard part. I, was,
0: uh, I have a seven-hour mock draft coming out next week, and I've started working on it. And I got to the Jets today and was like, I do wonder if everything they've done is just setting up to surprise us because they have added some offensive linemen. I don't think they've added many good ones, but they have added some. It's true. And it does make you wonder if they could go for a wide receiver at 11, or if, like you said, if this is a team that will try to trade up and you know maybe mortgage the future a little bit to get a left tackle. In and, and our two teams, something that has to be mentioned, the Chiefs have five picks, the Niners mm-hmm. have six.
1: And that's what I was going to ask. Hey, do you realistically think that the Niners stay at 31 overall? Because I, I don't think the Chiefs will stay at 32. I, I think that once these corners start coming off the board, the Chiefs are going to be a team that says, well, might as well move back a couple spots. Somebody can come up and get a Jordan Love at 32 overall for that
0: five-year. Last time they did that, they traded out and got Chris Jones. So there's even like a precedent. Not there. bad. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. not a bad player. Yeah, uh, you like know, a, a team like the Colts could move up
1: and, and do Colts a deal with a thirty-four.
0: Him. So yeah, you want to get that pick on yeah, Thursday night and get, get five years for a quarterback. That's actually a really good idea. Chris Ballard just worked in Kansas City. Yep. Knows Brett Veach pretty well. It's a good idea, Melo. You should make that happen. I know. Just uh, Chiefs should hire me. Or they should trade Chris Jones. Yeah. Nah.
1: <laughs> nah.
2: that hey, far. No, thank you,
0: Connor. Uh, I uh, this wasn't planned, but I do want to ask: What
2: are the Jets doing? Um, sleeping? I mean, honestly, I'll tell you what I what I think it is. Full my cons- my conspiracy theory here is truly that Joe Douglas has a feeling Woody Johnson is going to fire Adam Gase in one year. Uh-oh. I ev- every contract they've done. Hasn't out after one year, except the only good player they signed, Connor McGovern. All the I don't care what anyone says. The upside that Brashad Perriman finished strong. Desir was hurt last year. The one good player is Connor McGovern, and he's the only one that has real guaranteed money beyond one year. When Woody Johnson gets back from the UK, and it doesn't matter if Trump gets reelected or not, I'm pretty sure he's coming back after the four year mark. I could see him kicking little brother aside and saying, your hire did not work out. Joe Douglas is on a six-year deal. Adam Gase is on a four-year deal. I think after the year, if things do not go really well this year, Joe Douglas wanted a clean slate for whoever new coach he hires to have as much cap space as possible.
0: Yeah, the str- it, I do agree that is a very good theory. The struggle with that is, gosh, it feels like you need to help Sam Darnold. You know, yeah, <laughs> I
2: agree with you completely, and, Matt. I like, think they are ruining Sam Darnold. I, so like, Sam is good,
0: but he's not as good as we thought he was going to be at this point. And I, I do think a lot of that's the support staff around him, changing systems and things. But eventually, you got to get a, an, an eval on this guy
2: before you pay him in two years. So, uh, gosh. I I agree. And for Sam, I mean, I know he's been up and down. But when you look at it, the USC staff he had, that was bad. Yeah. Jeremy Bates. And then a combination of Adam Gase and Dow Loggins have been his coaches the last couple of years. And the be- he looked the best under Bates. Right. Which is shocking. What really rem- it? It It's was, remarkable. With almost
1: no targets to throw to.
2: I mean, he has There's had no nothing out to work there. with. No, I mean, I, I don't know if they're betting on Chris Herndon to be healthy. Because Sam's best games have been when Herndon's on the field, by far. But it's, it is very interesting when you compare, and we've done this on this show... Josh Allen's supporting cast in year three. Baker Baker Mayfield's in year three. Lamar Jackson's in year two was phenomenal with the line. I just, it's, it's not the way to help a young quarterback, who's still 22, by the way. Josh Rosen has a better supporting cast right now than Sam Darnold does, and he's the backup quarterback. Yeah, he doesn't I have, have to,
1: take to think about what out team out there. he's on. <laughs>
0: he's on the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay, I oh. just wanted to just go off topic a little bit here. All right, we take a break. we come back. It's your Draft on Draft questions. All right, it is Draft on Draft time, and I'm surprised. this didn't, I didn't build a rundown today. Thank you, Mello and Connor. Uh, Andrew Magnuson asked uh, Wednesday night and like almost started a fight between all of our regular listeners. Oh, he did. Which <laughs> team would be better? A team from... Texas players or Florida players, who would from win? From the state. The state. Not the schools. Right. So just from the state of Texas versus state of Florida, he comes in throw a fire that this, like Miami and Broward County could beat the state of Texas, which is just absolutely ludicrous in my opinion. I can't believe that didn't make the rundown, so I'm putting it in here myself well, it late. It was
1: Richard Royal who asked like, okay, who would win right. from the state of Texas or the state of California. And then Mags comes off the top row and is like, fuck all you guys. Miami alone could beat Texas and I was like no like that's not but I will agree with him I do think that when you look at the roster that the state of Florida could build there's just so much depth there and, and talent and somehow one of the Bosa brothers was born in like Miami uh the other one wasn't but I mean it's it's a list
2: I mean, Texas. Yeah, I, yeah I, I was there to instigate.
0: Yeah, you were. You were just like fanning the flames, and I'm like,
2: oh, I just said whatever came to my mind with no actual real evidence. <laughs> Here's the thing: Florida would have no offensive line. They I, they
0: would though, it, not like Texas. Yeah, I mean, not like Texas, probably, but it's
1: still good enough because you get both Pouncey brothers, you get your boy Eric Flowers. Okay, yeah, exactly. I don't remember who <laughs> the other two were, but they were good, good enough.
0: Isn't Trent Williams from Texas and Jason Peters? And Lane Johnson. Okay, yeah.
2: And Russell Oku. Yeah. But Florida <laughs> has the fastest quarterback we've seen since Michael Vick. And Tyreek <laughs> so, Hill. And Antonio wow. Brown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, but it's kind of nuts. So if you but if you're Texas, do you start Mahomes or Drew Brees? Oh, come on, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you yeah. have options. <laughs> no, that's not yeah. even a debate. <laughs> you got <laughs> options there. Adrian Peterson at running back. I mean, is it right now or is it like in their prime. Uh, they said in their – currently
1: in the NFL, so I think it's right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. This is what we – we need a, a BR Madden sim on this. Florida versus Texas. Yeah. I, Honestly. I, uh, there we go. Maybe we should Content
1: do creators. Okay. I say we can do it. The
0: actual first question for the show, Grant Gonsolin, why no interest in Jameis Winston? Is it all the character slash off field or is it the 30 interceptions? So, Grant, I think it's both. I don't think it's one or the other. The 30 interceptions plus the other 21 that should have been picked off that weren't. On top of the fact that my man can't take an Uber to the team meeting, not great. So I, you definitely have to look at the
1: whole player, everything on the field, off the field. So let me ask this question to you guys. What do you think scarier for teams? His off-field character concerns or the 30 interceptions? Which is scaring them away more?
2: I think it's the interceptions. I think so too. I think if he was really good, this wouldn't even be a conversation.
1: Right. Yeah. If he were a shithead off the field and threw 10 interceptions, he's still in Tampa Bay.
0: Oh, 100%. But doubt, he's Ben Roethlisberger, you know, like if that's yeah. how this goes. But I, I will say, I don't think the Bucks necessarily did him any favors by stringing this out and waiting for the Brady decision because it, I think it's come out. Maybe Peter King said that their hierarchy was Brady, Teddy, Jameis. And so, like, they waited for, you know, plan A, plan B. By the time Brady decided to sign with them, all the other jobs were gone. And a lot of the backup jobs were gone. So now Jameis is going to be in a situation where, you know, he almost has to go. Like, we've said Pittsburgh makes sense for him. I don't know if they're going to do it. But right now, he's competing with Cam Newton for jobs. You're going to take Cam Newton over Jameis Winston? I would think so. I mean, even with the injury
1: concerns, as a guy that I want in my locker room, uh, I'm—I don't remember what which series it was. I seems like I've watched all of them, but watching him work with the young quarterbacks, he did a pretty damn
0: good job. Oh, all or nothing. Yeah.
1: I don't trust Jameis Winston working with you know a young unproven quarterback, and I think he's going to rub a veteran the wrong way. I think he's going to come in and you know vocally say that he's competing for a job, and I—I I just don't think that's going to fit into a lot of rock, locker rooms. I think it might be a while before we see Jameis sign uh, with some team.
2: That's what it feels like. I've had this conversation on on quite a few radio shows over the last week of Jameis and Cam. Why are they not signed? And I think that, well, there's different reasons. Cam was released very late, and teams made quarterback plans already. And let's be real, guys. If you say you're the Bills, right? This is, I feel like, a very worthy example. You have Josh Allen there, and you go, you know what? We're gonna sign Cam and we're gonna come out right away and say Cam is the backup quarterback on this team. Every time Josh Allen turns the ball over, there are people that are yelling for Cam. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very hard for Cam Newton to be a backup because he's he's been an MVP where people are gonna scream for him to come in every time something goes wrong. That's why I feel like the
0: Chargers are a good fit for him. And I think with Cam, the I injury agree. like the injury is hurting Cam because he can't he can't go take a physical right now. You know, and so it's, I think, same with Jadavian Clowney. Like, why are these deals not getting done? And, and Tony Jefferson? Right. Yeah, Tony's not be cleared till May. You know, he can't sign anywhere right now. Demarius Randall hasn't signed yet. You know, there's a lot of guys who have been banged up that are good players that uh, are being hurt by the fact that they can't go anywhere and, and get this done. And I actually think that Seattle... Like Seattle is like the, obviously set with Russell Wilson at quarterback, but if I'm Cam Newton or Jameis Winston, I'm trying to go to Seattle and like rehab my image, rehab my game. Go. Some, Russell Wilson does not have a backup quarterback. Geno Smith was a free agent. There is there is not a quarterback on roster for the Seahawks other than Russell Wilson. I'd be trying to get my agent on the phone with John Schneider right now, saying, "Hey, I'll be the backup for a year. Uh, hopefully, you know it can be a situation where." You can prove yourself as a good teammate and get a chance in twenty twenty one.
1: I mean, if you have to work with a coach in the NFL, Pete Carroll's got to be pretty high on that list too.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so. And just a system that it has really benefited. Obviously, I mean, I'm not no way am I calling Russ a system quarterback, but I think that once again they have a system there that guys feel you know certain players can feel very comfortable in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Second question from Ponzi
0: Caliph. Do you think players? Caliph. Like he told Califf. me. He oh, dm me. Thank We've you. been.
2: Yep. Yep,
0: Calif. I know, it's tricky. It's spelled like California, so it's confusing. It is. Okay, maybe change that to a K. Do you think players like Loviska, Shainal, and others could get pushed down the board more than usual due to injury concerns because lack of ability on teams' behalf to evaluate players' health? Absolutely. Um, I I think, just like I said earlier in the show, doing a mock draft, there are a lot of guys where it's like, oh man, I like him, but... Injury is going to push him down, like Bryce Hall. You know, missed so much time this year with uh, two broken bones in his leg. Haven't seen him do a damn thing in the pre-draft process. He, I mean, he can't do anything. You know, it, it's it's going to hurt Shane All. It's going to hurt Bryce Hall. Um, I, I think it could hurt Grant Delpit. You know, with the ankle injury and then the fact that he didn't do anything at the combine. So I do believe there are a lot of players that are like household names that y'all recognize that are probably going to get hurt or at least drop in this process because they're unable to work out.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think Shane Alda is the biggest name that is going to be affected, too, with this core injury. I think usually teams would just bring him in. Do a quick physical I and mean, be like, oh, this is nothing. He'll be fine by the time season comes around. Nothing to worry about. They're just not able to do that right now. And I mean, he was a first-round talent receiver. Comes out, runs a, a pretty slow 40, gets injured at the combine. I haven't seen him in round one. I'm not putting him there anymore. I mean, looking at round two could be in question now because of an injury for LaVisca Chenault.
2: I know. I've been looking at this wide receiver class, guys, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, who's going to be like – I think our show was lower on him as a whole, but a lot of people thought Hakeem Butler would be a top two round pick last year. And he was sitting there in round four last year. And you look at this wide receiver class and you go, who is the consensus going to overrate? And I'm, I'm trying to get a pulse on that because you know, there's just so many wide receivers that somebody has got to fall. And Shane might be the guy because of the injuries. I still really like him by the way. I have him as wide receiver six. In this class. And M- Melo, I'd imagine you're still high on him as well, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: I, I haven't dropped him from my board, too. I think he's wide receiver six. I don't have it pulled up, but uh, I know he's six or seven. I dropped
0: him. Did you? I still I like just have concerns about how I think if he goes to the right team, okay, he's going to be fine, but he's not a good route runner. And he's hurt all the time. And so it's like if he doesn't go somewhere where he's getting schemed touches, I just don't quite know who he is. Yeah.
1: I did drop him below Denzel Mims. I moved Mims up. I think he's done a great job okay. with this whole, you know, off season and what he's doing through the draft process. But I do. I still really like LaVisca Shaynault versus guys like KJ Hamler. Yeah, I'm gonna take the guy who's six foot two twenty seven and can probably do some things out of the backfield as well. And I love his explosiveness, his ability as a returner. I'm still
0: very high on LaVisca Chenal. I have him at thirty five overall. I'll tell you guys, I got asked today, today, yesterday, I don't know, by an NFL head coach. He said, Will Brandon Ayuk be available in the third? And I said, What? And he's like, No, really. You think he'll be there? I was like, No. You need to talk to your scouting I don't department. think he'll be <laughs> there. I don't think he'll be there. And he's like, I think a lot of people are rating these receivers hot." You, I think well, a lot of you guys are rating these receivers higher than they'll go. Yeah, I mean, we started
1: mm-hmm. out thinking like maybe number two overall was where Judy would go or something now like that. Now we're talking 13. Yeah, 12, 13, I think is when we see the first receiver come off the board. And I know that a lot of people are talking about, you know, 11, 12, 13, we could see three receivers in a row. But if we don't, like, somebody's got to fall. And I think that fall could be a while before we see another one. So if, you know, you're sitting there in the 20s and you still have a guy like Jerry Judy or C D Lamb. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk, probably going to be there in the third.
2: I'll tell you the one that I think, this would shock Twitter, but I think out of all these guys might fall to the third round and open some eyes. I think it would be Jalen Rager. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Small body, I, I, did drops. not run well, and a lot of drops. Bingo. Twitter,
1: draft Twitter loves him. I don't know that a lot of NFL teams will. Uh, it's It seems like you know draft Twitter guys want to find that diamond in the rough. And I I don't think Jalen Rager's it. I,
0: I have him pretty I, low. I take Hamler over him. Same. Yep. Me too. That's how my rankings are. I have Hamler, Mims, Ayuk, all above Rager. Um, yeah, small guys who have been a little banged up, and and I say small. I know he weighed in at two hundred six. There's no way he plays at that. No, he shouldn't uh, have come in. at No 206. way uh, that he plays at that. So I I think Rager's the guy where. I'm just not as high on him as a lot of other people um, uh, other than, you know, the prospect that we don't talk about on the show anymore. All right. Next question from damn <laughs> oh super. I'm watching Belichick and Sabin on HBO. Congrats to, on their Emmy nomination, by the way. And Sabin said only two NFL coaches ask him directly about prospects. Why is that? Um, I think maybe this is just Saban. Like only two coaches do. I bet a lot of GMs do. You know, yeah, I bet I can guarantee you that Ozzie Newsom was asking Nick Saban about players. And oh, you, definitely, old Nicky boy. He's not the most personable guy. I,
1: I think a lot <laughs> exactly. of even NFL coaches that are probably new to this probably aren't knocking on Nick Saban's door or have his phone number to just be like, hey, Nick. Tell me about Jedrick Wills. You know, like maybe guys like Andy Reid and Belichick. I, other than that, who really has the balls to call Nick Saban and be like, give me an honest opinion on this I Alabama also don't know guy. if he
0: would be honest.
1: I don't know that he would either. I think he's going to say that everybody's great.
2: Yeah, I look at it. I, From what I could tell, I mean, the scouts I talk to just ask other people on the staff. Right. They don't go directly to Nick. I I'd feel like there's no need to. I know yeah, ahead, who Matt.
0: I talk to on that staff, and it is not Nick Saban. I'm not to that level. Um, but I've always felt like I got good information on Alabama players. And I why ask the king when you can ask the rook, you know, and get the same information?
1: And Nick Saban Whoa. is such a CEO of that program. Exactly. That he honestly might not know a lot about what's going on with guys like Yeah, who's the big pass rusher that they are Terrell Lewis. Terrell Lewis. He might not know about the injury history. I'm sure that he sends Terrell Lewis to a medical staff, and they take care of it, and they tell him if he can play or not. And that's probably the extent that Nick Saban knows about the injury. So why even waste the phone call of saying, hey, Nick Saban, tell me about Lewis? He probably just doesn't know. He's such a CEO, and it's working for him. I don't want to have that come off as a knock. Obviously, Alabama is a great program, and he's built it up from almost nothing.
2: I mean, people go to the position coach 10 out of 10 times.
0: Yeah, or strength so, and conditioning. That's usually that, my that's gateway a to a one. program is, you know, because they'll tell you everything you want to know about it. how hard a guy works, how his teammates, who his best yep. friend is. That's so they could help you if there was, like, character concerns. About oh, without a, a doubt. But also, like, how hard a guy works, you know? And I can I can watch a player, and, you know, my job is to watch a player and say, hey, he's good at this position trait. He's bad at this position trait. I don't... I don't You know, position coach like, okay, well, is he coachable? Is he smart? Like, That's stuff that I really want to know. Last question from Mike Hubbard. Curious where you guys have Jonah Williams stacked up against the current class. So I actually just went and looked at this. I would have Jonah Williams in this year's class as my number uh, three offensive tackle. He would be behind Jedrick Wills and almost tied with Tristan Wirfs. He would technically slot in right behind him. And I would put him uh, right above that slot.
1: I would have Jedrick Wills, who obviously is not lineman number seven on my board. I really like him. I do think he's the best that I've seen. That him do threw it him for a loop, by <laughs> he the way. Did, like, the threw fuck, me for a he loop. Got me for seven. Uh, but I would have him right in front of Tristan Wirfs. I, I think that the technician that Jonah Williams was. Uh, I think he's set up for a lot of success. I know he's injured last year, but I do think this is a guy that they're counting on already to protect Joe Burrow, and he's gonna be very good at tackle where a lot of people had him at guard last year for some reason.
2: I would have him right behind Andrew Thomas. So he'd be tackle for still a top fifteen player. I mean, you know, I think he's was a really good prospect. I know our show was a big fan of him last year. I just I really like Wills and Worf's athleticism and Thomas is just so powerful. he's a more powerful than Jonah was as a run blocker. But I think when you look at it, Thomas and, and um Jonah are, you know, kind of comparable on a on a grading scale. But yeah, I I think a lot of people underrated Jonah last year. I, I, I really do. And I I think they're underrating the impact he'll have for Joe Burrow right now. We keep talking about this is a good landing spot for Joe Burrow. It's, they're not as bad as people think. I tell you doing mock drafts, you're like,
0: Especially okay. Especially on offense. They take Joe Burrow, and then the second round, it's like, all right, they kind of mm. need a linebacker. Yeah, they got A.J. Uh, Green to stay
1: around, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. It's not, not bad. a bad group. Yeah. A lot of holes to fill in that defense, but like you said, take a linebacker in the second round, that starts to come together.
0: You're just hoping that Zach Taylor is good enough to get the job done. Yeah, which is still kind of early in his career to say. I think that's that's the big With the question. the shit that he had last year. Right. All right. That is our show, guys. We'll be back Monday afternoon with another one, and then Wednesday morning, and again Friday morning. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, please continue if you're if you're able to. If you have one of those non-essential jobs, stay home, wash your hands. Let's take care of each other. Uh, check on one another. I saw someone say like, we don't have to socially distance, like. Still text, FaceTime, Zoom meeting, whatever you want to do. Uh, just physically distance, which uh, I know from my two co hosts, they're really enjoying the physically distancing from each other. Melo's still stuck with me in the
1: office. I've been preparing my whole life for this.
0: Melo, are you doing the show with a mask on? No, not yet. Maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've given him ideas, uh, it will happen next week? But stay, just throwing it out there. Right. Have to do it. Stay safe out there, guys, and we will talk to you again real soon.